Hi friend, if you love the information you hear in the podcast, then you will love the free mini series of videos that I've put together just for you. It's all about the biblical blueprint for health and teaches you exact principles I've taught to thousands of Christian women that result in weight loss, better sleep, increased energy, clearer skin, and sharper brains. You can go to thechristiannutritionist.com slash miniseries to grab this free set of short, powerful teachings that will show you how to create better health God's way. It's at thechristiannutritionist.com slash miniseries. Go check it out now. Hi, I'm Chelsea, the Christian Nutritionist. Welcome to the Christian Health Club podcast. We are here to fire you up in spirit, mind, and body so that you can get out into the world and be everything God created you to be. Welcome to the club. Here we go. Hello, my friend. Welcome back to the club. Happy Easter. The Lord is risen. The Lord is risen indeed. This episode is coming out on Easter Sunday, which is so special. But even if you are listening to this at a different time of the year, it is always a good time to celebrate our risen Lord. And in honor of that, today we're going to talk about being salty and lit. And I know it might sound like we're about to talk about a drunk, angry sailor, right? Because <laughs> salty and lit in slang terms would mean like rough, a little rough around the edges and angry and maybe drunk. But that's not where we're going with this. We are going to be talking about being salty and lit in biblical terms. We're talking about showing up with the flavor and light of Christ in this world which is what we are called to do as followers of Jesus. And I have to give credit to Father Casey, the rector at my church. It was one of his sermons a while back that sparked the idea for this podcast. He brought up this idea of functional Christianity, which pertains to the way that we function as Christians in the world or don't function as Christians in the world. And it really resonated with me, that term, because it reminds me of the term functional nutrition, which is my approach to practicing holistic health. Functional nutrition means um, considering every aspect of somebody's health, you know, the body as a whole operating system and everything that goes into it, diet, lifestyle, including sleep and stress and daily schedules and light and just any specific conditions. You know, we just have to know everything that pertains to how someone shows up in the world now so that we can determine what we need to do to support how they actually want to show up in the world. That is totally my jam as a Christian nutritionist to help people get better in health so that they can get out into the world and be everything God created them to be and not be held back by a health condition or a weight problem or an obsession over food and dieting and scales. Life is too short for that, homie. We are here to be salty and lit in this world, to put the flavor of Christ in people's lives. 
to be a light that glorifies him. And we do that so much more fully when we feel great in our bodies and about our bodies. When we feel well, we serve well. That is functional nutrition and that is functional Christianity. And that is what we're talking about today. So I want to start by taking you to the Old Testament and reading a passage out of Isaiah. And this is about... God is just letting the people know that they are not as righteous as they think they are. They think they're doing all the right things. They think God is not paying attention and God has uh, some things to say about that. So here is Isaiah 58, 1 through 11. Shout it out loud. Do not hold back. Raise your voice like a trumpet. Announce to my people their crime and to the house of Jacob their sins. For day after day they seek me out. They seem eager to know my ways, like a nation that acted righteously, that didn't abandon their God. They ask me for just decisions, and they seem eager for God to come near them. Why have we fasted, they say, and you have not seen it? Why have we humbled ourselves, and you have not noticed? Yet, on the day of your fasting, you do as you please. You exploit all your workers. Your fasting ends in quarreling and strife, and in striking each other with wicked fists. You cannot fast as you do today and expect your voice to be heard on high. Is this the kind of fast I have chosen? Only a day for people to humble themselves? Is it only for bowing one's head like a reed and for lying in sackcloth and ashes? Is that what you call a fast? A day acceptable to the Lord? Is not this the kind of fast I have chosen? To loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke. To set the oppressed free and break every yoke. Is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter when you see the naked to clothe them and not to turn away from your own family? Then your light will break forth like the dawn and your healing will quickly appear. Then your righteousness will go before you and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Then you will call and the Lord will answer. You will cry for help and he will say, here I am. If you do away with the yoke of oppression, with the pointing finger and malicious talk, and if you open your heart to the hungry and provide abundantly for those who are afflicted, then your light will rise in the darkness, and your night will become like the noonday. The Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in sun-scorched land and will strengthen your frame. You will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. So basically, the people are like, what's up, God? We seek you, we ask for justice, we fast, we practice the holy rituals and acknowledge the holy days, and you don't even take notice. What is the point in doing all of this if you're not going to even show up for us? They felt like God had abandoned them, like he wasn't active or present. But God felt like his people had abandoned him. He's like, "Uh, you may be checking off all the boxes. You think you got your holy moves down pat but it's empty. You may be in attendance, but you're not showing up. You serve your own interests during your fast, not mine. You're arguing, you're using it as an excuse to treat people poorly. You're hiding from your family instead of helping them. You are not practicing in the spirit of what this means. Feed the hungry, shelter the homeless, clothe the poor. Don't hide yourself from family, be good to them. This is the time to work on my behalf, to let the light of my glory shine through you. These are not works to earn you something from me, but for you to be a light to the people. 
That is my layman's version of Isaiah, (laughs) of that passage from Isaiah. Um, And I have to give Father Casey credit for the term holy moves. I just thought that expresses it so well. You know, we can all have our holy moves that we check off. Um, You know, we can be in attendance, but not really show up. You know, I may be in the same room with my family. I may be in attendance, but am I showing up? Am I fully present for them? I may be checking off my church box each Sunday or rotely reciting my prayers each night, but am I truly showing up in relationship with God and, and you know, helping his people? I may be fasting, but am I only doing it for the physical benefits and not for the spiritual ones? You know, this passage focuses so much on the fasting and it got me to thinking how how often I choose my fasting times based on my own convenience, you know, like when it works best in my schedule, especially when it comes to the super fasts um, that we do. So in Feast of Fast, we do both intermittent fasting, you know, like 12 to 16 hours, but we also do super fasts that are longer than that. Um, And I always encourage my Feast of Fasters to look at their schedules you know, and choose a day that they can have a longer fast and be successful. And I think that's good advice, you know, especially as you're starting out. So many people who join uh, Feast of Fast and have never really tried to do any kind of fasting are really uh, nervous and trepidatious about it. You know, they're hesitant. They don't think they can do it. And then once they do, they're just like, this is amazing. I am feel, they feel so empowered. You know, there's something seriously about throwing that yoke off their back and like, and just really, Um, you know, releasing chains that you never thought you could. It's really, really cool. Um, But, you know, when we look at biblical people, their fasts were basically scheduled around holy occasions, or there may have been an impromptu fast called in a time of crisis, you know, like I think of Esther and how she fasted for three days in the face of a crisis. None of these fasts were scheduled to someone's convenience, you know, and I think that as we become more practiced, in our fasting, and as we seek to grow past the infant stages of our Christian walk, as the Bible um, phrases it, and we seek that, um, seek the meat, you know, the deeper meaning and the discipline, maybe we align our fasts with some of the holy days in the Christian calendar and fast whether they suit us on, you know, that day or not. When I interviewed the author of Eat Fast Feast, um, that was the recommendation he left us with to get realigned with the holy calendar. And follow some of those set feast and fast days. Um, I also remember the first book I read that introduced fasting to me, aside from the Bible, you know, that I read years and years ago, Greater Health, God's Way by Stormy O'Martian. And she practiced a weekly 24-hour fast, you know, and at that time I was like, are you out of your mind? Like, there is no way I could go that long without food. Um, And it's just, you know. God is so funny and how he leads us Um, anyway (laughs) to what I'm doing today. But um, anyway, I think she had her weekly fast was designated on Mondays. You know, that was her day. And um, she honored that regularly, whether it was convenient or not. And, um, you know, growing in my fasting discipline is something that appeals to me. And reading this passage from Isaiah was kind of, you know, kind of convicting Um, to me, but also validating in my desire. It feels like God is giving me that nudge a bit. Um, So God was essentially telling the people that shallow worship and checking off boxes does not please him. He wants his light taken into the world. 
And that took on even more meaning when God came to earth as Jesus, took on the sin and the suffering of the world and gave us sal- salvation. John eight twelve tells us that Jesus is the light of the world. So let's get down here to the salt and the light. In Matthew 5, 13 through 16, Jesus says, You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket. Instead, they put it on a lampstand, and it shines light to all who are in the house. In the same way, let your light so shine before people that they may, be, they may see the good things you do and glorify your Father in heaven. What Jesus is saying here is be God's flavor. Be his light. You know, we can't live without light. We have so many light sensors in our body meant to absorb natural light. Our light exposure helps set our circadian rhythm, which determines how we release hormones, um, especially cortisol and melatonin. The light tells our bodies how to behave throughout the day and the night. And we can make the most beautiful parallel to Jesus, who is light. And when we absorb him through the word and the Holy Spirit, his light will also direct our day and our night in the best way. In the same way we can't live without light, we can't live without salt. It is essential to the body. You will die if you don't have enough. Are you seeing a pattern here? Salt, light, and Jesus. You can't live without them. And as far as salt goes, it is responsible for so many functions in the body. It's needed to transmit nerve impulses, contract and relax muscle fibers, um, including those in the heart and blood vessels, and maintain a proper fluid balance. Um, You know, salt can actually improve insulin sensitivity, so it can help um, regulate our blood sugar levels and energy and keep them more stable through the day. Salt is important for helping us to optimize digestion. It's an important component of our um, stomach acidity, so that helps our food be completely digested. Salt has been shown to reduce the levels of circulating stress hormones, mainly cortisol, and that has metabolic benefits, you know, as high cortisol levels can contribute to weight gain and hypothyroidism. And um, salt in the diet will help us absorb magnesium and other essential minerals. You know, magnesium deficiency is really common in our country. And magnesium is responsible for over 300, um, it's a part of over 300 actions in the body. Um, that help, you know, facilitate health. And so salt is something that helps us absorb um, magnesium better. And salt also can help us um, promote the action of serotonin and melatonin, which are our kind of calming and sleep inducing hormones. So it allows us to fall asleep more quickly and stay asleep for longer. So, you know, don't be afraid of salt. I do get some people that I work with that are afraid to use salt because they've heard it's bad for you. But, you know, the quote unquote bad salt is really coming from poor sources like processed foods, canned foods. There's a lot of sodium in those. Um, Also, you don't want to rely on iodized salt, which has been stripped of so many important minerals. Um, So when it comes to salt, you know, you want to stick to real food the way God made it and then add salts like Redmond Real Salt, which is unrefined and comes from a mine in Utah. Um, which I like because that's American made, or Celtic gray salt. Those are both good choices. And we think of salt, we think of it um, as something that cleanses, 
and purifies and brings flavor, you know, as our Savior Jesus has cleansed and purified us. And it's because of him that we are given the power of the Holy Spirit that lives within us. And connecting with the Holy Spirit and staying in God's word is what makes us take on his flavor. You know, you become what you marinate in. This is so important to think about. If you're marinating in what the world thinks, you know, and what the world says about you and what the world thinks is important, and you're just always looking through the lens of the world, that is the flavor you will take on. And that is the flavor you will impart back to the world. But if you marinate in what God says about you, you know, in the truth and the promises of his word, you know, in what is lovely and um, honorable and all those good things that we are meant to, um, to know about him and about us as his children, that is the flavor you will impart to the world if you are marinating in that. So we are meant, we're meant to bring the salt, you know, to shake it out on the world and make the dish of life taste even better. Colossians 4, 6 says, let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. You know, our salt, our, our Jesus inside of us, our salt is the love and peace and grace and hope that we bring into the world. We do help to purify it. And Jesus is pretty clear that, you know, this is our purpose. He's like, if you've lost your saltiness, what good are you? So there's nothing more important than this. You know, we got to be salty. So we have to ask ourselves these questions, you know, how am I showing up as a Christian? Am I being salty? Am I being light? You know, both in the passages from Isaiah and Matthew um, is the mention of being light to those who are close to us. In Isaiah, the people are chastised for turning away from their families. And in Matthew, Jesus says that we shine our light for the people in the house. And so being salty and lit starts with the people in our homes, you know, with the people that are closest to us, not just being present, but actually showing up and practicing love and grace and peace. You know, when I was a little girl, my mom used to sing me that song, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine, let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Do you know that song? (laughs) Um, But we have to think about that. Are we shining for our families and are we teaching them to shine, right? We want to let the love of Christ shine through us into the world. Are we going to be salt-free, light-free Christians, you know, like the Israelites who were checking off the boxes but not bringing the flavor or the flame? Or are we going to be salty and lit, shaking our flavor and shining our lights in the world? This is functional Christianity, my friends. Jesus lives and we keep him alive in our actions and our words by sharing the good news of forgiveness and salvation, of peace and of hope, of love and of joy. We are the hands and feet of his love in the world. We are his people, his peeps. And if we're not representing and teaching our babies to represent, who will? Who will? Happy Easter, my friends. Go forth and be salty and lit. Thanks for listening. Have a healthy and blessed week. Hi, everyone.
one, remember that my mom is an awesome nutritionist, but she's not a doctor. The information in this podcast is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent disease. Always talk to your doctor before making changes to your nutrition or exercise program. Thanks for listening. Have a healthy and blessed week.